People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. We are here today with our really good friend, Claire Dwoskin, who is the founder of the Children's Medical Safety Research Institute. But more than that, she's our friend. We've known her for a long time. And it actually, it's a funny story how we met Claire. Yes. So Doro and I and Claire hike <laughs> a lot. And we were out, I mean, years ago now, we were out hiking and it's called the Billy Goat Trail here in Maryland. And we see this unbelievably beautiful woman walking with her dog. And we, of course, know pretty much everybody on the trail. And we're like, hi, hey, we haven't met before. And it was Claire and ended up talking about health and wellness and learned quickly that Claire's a real leader in finding out research about health-related issues. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I came home from meeting Claire and I told Bobby, my husband, and and Bobby said, oh, Claire Dwoskin, yes, everybody loves and everybody knows and loves Claire Dwoskin. It's so, true. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Too kind. So, Claire, first, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. And let's start with your personal life and who you are. Well, Doro and Trisha, I remember meeting you as well in the woods that day and just being so excited because... I realized how much in common that we had, and I had been to your Achieving Optimal Health Conference the year before and was so impressed with the speakers that you had assembled and the philosophy that you were promoting with meditation, wellness, and staying healthy naturally, and that was very much in alignment with my own values and beliefs regarding health and what I had come to learn through my research. So I was so excited to get to know you, and then become part of Achieving Optimal Health myself. So I got into health-related concerns through my children, but also having a growing sort of undiagnosable health problem myself that had plagued me for over 20 years that I had not realized. And it took a, quite a long time and going to many, many doctors to finally figure it out. And what was it or what were you experiencing through those 20 years? Just a deteriorating energy fatigue, feeling sick, having heart palpitations. I mean, just a, a whole host of symptoms. And long story short, after many, many years and many tests of not being able to figure it out, I went to a practice that is very integrative and something that I know you both mm -hmm. are advocates for. And they did a test and or a series of tests and discovered that a microbe that I had had from a ruptured appendix that had become gangrened was still causing an infection wow. in my body. Wow! And rather than being in a tight space like an appendix, it was throughout my entire abdominal cavity. And wow. so I had been fighting this infection for 20 years. And finally figured it out and was able to restore my health. It's as if I never had it, but I really spent 20 years struggling. And can you describe what is a microbe? What is that? Well, it was a series, I guess, of bacteria and fungus that were out of balance that mm. partially result from the infection, but also from having had so much antibiotics after the ruptured appendix mm. that 
caused my microbiome to get out of balance. And we all know about how important the microbiome balance is and how a good balance is so connected to good health. Right. Right. So what do you do differently now? One of the tests was a blood test called the Leap Now Mediated Release Test. And it showed how my immune system was reacting to every food I was eating. And it looks at all the different types of immune cells, prostaglandins, not like a typical food allergy test. And it showed that I was having an immune response to almost every single food I was eating. So they put me on a diet of the 20 least reactive foods. And within three days, my pain had reduced about 80%. And I was able to lose weight and my energy was came back and I was able to start exercising again. And it really was a major life transformation. So I've been sticking to the diet as I heal, I can add more and more foods back to my diet. So I'm now around 60 to 75 foods that I can eat without having an inflammatory reaction. That is just great news. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look beautiful. Oh, you thank look you. Thank you. Healthy and strong. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fabulous. Really incredible. So you have two children. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have twins and they're currently freshmen at William & Mary. So you're an empty mm-hmm. nester. Yes, yes. <laughs> How's that? It's actually kind of good. I mean, I, of course, miss them, but being that they're so close, I've actually been able to see them almost every two to three weeks. So that's That's nice. That's great. But there's no mommy guilt about, okay, what are they eating? And oh, what time are they going to be home at night? And am I doing all the right things for them? And that type of thing. I can focus a lot on some things that I would like to focus on. So I think everything in life has a season Mm -hmm. and you just sort of let things go and flow and everybody can be happy. That's right. So tell us about what you're doing now, how you spend your time. You're the founder of (laughs) CMSRI. Yes. So tell us what that is. Okay. So CMSRI is Children's Medical Safety Research Institute. And I founded it about 10 years ago when I realized that there was not enough research on what is causing people to become chronically ill. I was seeing a tremendous rise in chronic illness in children especially, but also age-related neurological disorders like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's Mm -hmm. disease. And the research is mostly focused on cures and drugs and not much on causal factors. And I felt we could make a bigger difference if we could prevent people from becoming sick in the first place rather than just continuing to medicate a bunch of Mm-hmm. ill mm-hmm. and disabled people. Hmm. I get to the cause, to the root mm-hmm. of it, yes, right? exactly. rather than be treating all the symptoms. Mm-hmm. That seems mm-hmm. to be what, what we do. Exactly. And so what, can you be specific? Can you tell us about some of the research that you found most interesting and that you think is really changing the way people are living? Well, before we founded CMSRI, I organized a, co- a small conference, invited about 20 scientists from all over the world, and they presented their research And the conclusion of all the scientists were that aluminum toxicity is linked to so many different conditions. And we know to be concerned about, for example, lead toxicity. And we know we don't want lead in our paint and our gasoline and our water. But I think we've been told to feel that aluminum is more benign. It's it's safer. But in fact, it's actually insidiously unsafe. And when we talk about aluminum, that's aluminum foil, that's the aluminum in deodorant. I mean, what kind of, where is the aluminum that we're talking about? Mm -hmm. So aluminum that we use in our computer cases and for pens and to cover the front of our refrigerator isn't going to harm anybody. It's inert, 
but it's the forms that get into our food mm. or that we apply to our skin or inhale or ingest in some way or inject into our bodies that can cause the kind of toxicities that lead to different mm. types of chronic illnesses. What do you inject that has aluminum? You mean vaccines? Yes, vaccines. Well, first of all, it was discovered about 40 years ago, I, I believe, that patients who had dialysis, they mm. developed dementia and Alzheimer's-like symptoms very rapidly after starting their dialysis. And they found that the dialysis fluid had aluminum in it. And as mm. soon as they chelated the aluminum out of their bodies or they quit using the aluminum patients no longer got this dialysis dementia anymore. So they could see a very rapid and direct link between intravenous aluminum and dementia. So there are other forms, for example, aluminum can often be found in IV fluids that people get in the hospital. All those oh. bags of glucose and things that you're getting an IV drip, unfortunately, the levels of aluminum are still too high in that. But yes, in about, I think about seven or eight of the vaccines that are on the childhood vaccine schedule contain an aluminum adjuvant, which means helper. It helps the vaccine create the immune response. But unfortunately, it's also creates toxicity. Mm-hmm. And it's the toxicity that creates the immune response. Mm-hmm. And beyond creating the immune response, the scientists and others who were involved in developing the vaccines and regulating them didn't really go further than that in their research to see what other effects might that toxicity be causing than creating an immune response. So we decided to pick up that task and do the kinds of research that probably should have been done in the first place. And we're finding results that confirm what the original 20 scientists who met who felt that aluminum was probably linked to almost, I shouldn't overstate it, but very many of the chronic diseases that we are experiencing today, like autoimmune disease, which now affects about 50 million people in the United States. Alzheimer has, I think, about 16 million. And then there's a range of childhood chronic illnesses like asthma, allergies, eczema, type 1 diabetes, ADD, ADHD, and autism that have also been linked in the scientific literature to aluminum toxicity. So when you're telling me this and and Doro, and we hear it at our conference, I get so, oh my gosh, you know, how do we let everybody know this? And I imagine you feel that way. And I know talking on a podcast is a way to do it. What other things are you doing to get the message out to people? We are funding the research and we're also sponsoring scientific conferences. We have one coming up in Lisbon, Portugal in May, the International Congress on Autoimmunity. CMSRI sponsors a one-day symposium on vaccine safety where Mm. researchers from all over the world who are studying different vaccines or aluminum adjuvants can come together and present their data on their research. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that every two years. We also sponsor the Kiel Aluminum Conference, which is also held every two years. We have a Facebook page and Twitter, and we try to get the word out about the research and share articles that are written about it. And also sponsor conferences like yours, who yeah, we so appreciate. really appreciate. And, and Claire, is Chris Exley one of the leading mm-hmm. leading voices in this area? Yes. Dr. Chris Exley has been studying aluminum toxicity and aluminum's 
geology in the Earth's crust for over 30 years. And he's probably one of the leading experts on this in the world. And his very first study was actually published in Nature, which is a very big accomplishment for a Mm -hmm. scientist. And they were able to show that fish that were exposed to levels of aluminum that are found in waters after acid rain, that it was killing all the fish. But that if you put silica in the water in the form of silicic acid, the fish lived with the same level of aluminum toxicity. And they found that very profound because they had they had known that silica and aluminum have a relationship with each other in the Earth's crust. The silica binds to the aluminum with oxygen and keeps the aluminum inert. Mm-hmm. And it didn't become toxic or bioavailable until we began smelting it for use around in the 1880s. So along with the sort of scary message about aluminum and your health, there's also a positive and hopeful message in that you can drink silica-rich mineral waters and flush the aluminum from your body and see improvements in your health outcomes. And we've we've actually seen one case of a reversal of Alzheimer's disease. That's um, amazing. And right now there's a Facebook group that is dedicated to children who have epilepsy. And the parents took our research and decided to apply it to a new way of using it, which is on children with epilepsy. And they found that in many of the cases, it stopped the seizures overnight, even in cases where the children were having two to 300 seizures a day. (sighs) It was either within days of starting to drink the silica-rich mineral water or... Did you find that there was a level that they had to drink or was it... I mean, was there a measurement that that you can recommend for people that, I guess, are challenged Mm -hmm. and then just regular people or did it not go that way? Well, it's interesting. I'd suggest anyone who's interested to, it's a private Facebook group. And if you're interested in learning more about it, to apply to the administrators for membership. But what parents are saying is that every child is experiencing a different result in the sense that Mm -hmm. some respond very well, very quickly. Others, it takes longer for the silica to get in their bodies before the seizures start diminishing. Mm -hmm. For others, they can drink only a couple of milliliters. And for others, they can drink a liter or half a liter right. and have no no well, problem. And that makes sense because mm-hmm. everybody is different. Exactly. So, right. you know, I think, again, that's what we talk a lot about on this mm-hmm. podcast and at the conference that we all really need to know our bodies right. and what supports it. So we're drinking Fiji water. And by the way, I drank yours. So this <laughs> is for you. Okay. But can you tell us what you told us earlier about Fiji water and the different waters that contain the silica and... Yes, and I have no financial relationship <laughs> right. whatsoever with Fiji <laughs> or any other mineral water. So, But one of the things that Chris Exley has studied is how to measure your aluminum body burden by drinking a silica-rich mineral water and then measuring the amount of aluminum that is excreted over time. And he not only discovered that the silica-rich mineral water could cause you to flush the silica out, but depending on how much was flushed out, he could also calculate a reasonable measurement of your body burden. So he has been doing studies with silica-rich mineral water and a variety of conditions, everything from multiple sclerosis, Mm. which they found that people who had multiple sclerosis had far higher levels of aluminum in their urine than normal healthy people did, and that when they drank the water, 
the patients drank the water for 12 weeks, they flushed significant quantities of aluminum out of their wow. urine, and none of the patients progressed in their disease. They either stayed stable or we don't know if they improved because the study wasn't designed to measure clinical improvement, but no one got worse during mm-hmm. the time. And we've also had studies with Alzheimer's disease. There was a pilot study published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease showing that drinking a silica-rich mineral water resulted in statistically significant improvements in cognitive function in some patients. We also noted the increase in aluminum excretion in the urine during the period that the water was drank. Wow. It's just like huge news. You know, Mm -hmm. I know when we talked about it at our conference, I mean, everybody was moved by it and it changed so many people's lives. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that research. You know, is it ongoing now? Is it lots going on? Yes. Yes. Not only are we doing such basic bench science as trying to figure out when you inject an aluminum adjuvant, what molecules does it interact with? Where does it go? How long does it take to get there? Mm -hmm. We're just answering basic science questions that no one has ever looked at before. And I think they're key to really understanding how the aluminum adjuvants work and why in some people they cause problems and in others they can be tolerated. Mm -hmm. And so we're continuing with that research. And we have a number of other ongoing studies looking at the impact of aluminum and people's genes. Does it cause genes to turn on or off that promote certain Mm -hmm. diseases? And so we have a very important study going on regarding genetics. We have an animal model study right now where we're looking at the first year's vaccine schedule in a mouse model. And we're comparing the cognitive function, motor skill function, and social function compared to a saline control group. And rather than just looking at the aluminum adjuvant, we're looking at the whole vaccine to see, because we've already done just the aluminum adjuvant alone, what is the difference between the whole vaccine preparation and the aluminum adjuvant versus a control group. So we think that's going to be a very information-rich study. Yeah, that is just incredible. I have a question for Claire, which is to live a fulfilled life, to be a happy person. I think giving back and doing things to help others is a big part of it. And when I think about you, I think of somebody who really could be doing anything they want to do. You've been blessed like like I have, like Trisha has, but you've chosen to do this. So what made you decide to spend your life doing this? That's a great question. And I struggled to have my children and I felt so blessed to get lucky enough to have twins and have a boy and a girl. And it just was the fulfillment of every dream. And I'm sure that fulfillment of dreams of every parent. And when I first took our twins in for their two-month pediatrician visit, they were given a vaccine that then at four months had already been taken off the market because of safety concerns. And I wondered how could a vaccine be given one month and not the next? It, it just made me question yeah. what, what, how rigorous was the safety. But then as my children, you know, I continued to vaccinate them through their childhood and my son developed speech and language problems, motor skill problems, a variety of auditory mm-hmm. processing and whatnot. So we were in the various therapy offices getting motor skill therapy, speech and language therapy, vision therapy. And I saw so many kids who were struggling and who just could not live their lives in a fulfilled way. And it was also how it was affecting mm-hmm. the parents. And 
whenever you have, when you have a child, you, they're born and you, you already thinking about their future and right. where they're going to go to school and who maybe they're going to marry and how many children they're going to have. <laughs> and, and for these children, they weren't going to have these kinds of futures. And I thought, well, as I got to know and learn more about how toxins are affecting kids' health and neurological system, I thought I have to figure out how to expand upon that knowledge and then share it so that others can learn and hopefully prevent this from happening to their kids. So it was sort of like I felt responsible. Wow. That's that's something. And then when did it start? Or when did you, 10 years ago, you began the research? Or how do you even start something like that? How does it go? Well, I began initially looking into the safety of vaccines. And I probably did five Mm. years of reading and talking to others and going to conferences and going to FDA meetings and IOM meetings and, and learning. And then as I realized that maybe I could make a bigger contribution by starting to fund some science. That resulted in pulling together the small conference of scientists and then deciding to form CMSRI after that and Mm -hmm. focus on aluminum toxicity. In addition to vaccines, we also look at aluminum in baby formula and Mm -hmm. other exposures of aluminum as well. It's not just vaccines. It's What have you found mm -hmm. in the baby formula? Sadly, there is usually a range between 400 micrograms and 700 micrograms of aluminum in most Mm. commercial baby formulas. And that can add up over time in a small infant. And so I would caution parents who feel they don't have another choice to look into homemade formulas and possible breast milk donation if they can, that baby formulas, unfortunately, are too high in aluminum. How does that word get to the manufacturers? I mean, why are they putting so much aluminum or how's it get in there? Is it from a can? Is it? No one really knows for sure, but I'm going to speculate here that companies often buy their raw materials from many, many sources. So you might be getting this component from this country and this component from this country. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the components, unfortunately, I think come from countries like China and not to blame China for the aluminum in there because, but we just don't really know where all of the Mm. raw materials are coming from. And there is some suspicion that aluminum is added as an emulsifier so that when you scoop the powder into and put it in the fluid, Mm. that it will stir up and not clump because it causes clumps to break up, but that it also could be getting in from the manufacturing process itself because a lot of the formulas are, I guess, mixed together Mm -hmm. in large aluminum vats and whether or not some of the aluminum could be getting absorbed in from that process. So I think there's a lot of potential ways the aluminum could be getting in, but we need to do more research Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's, you know, having heard this now many, many times, every time you talk about it, it's just outrageous. It's just like, how can this be happening is is my reaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy. Well, aluminum is such an amazing product. It's so versatile. It can be used safely for so many things that actually benefit our lives, making airplanes lighter so that we can travel more economically and more cheaply. And of course, all the other products that I mentioned, but anything that touches our food, or we also need to be concerned about aluminum in sunscreens and skincare products, Mm -hmm. such as antiperspirants. A recent controlled study showed that women who had breast cancer had far more aluminum in their tumor tissue and healthy tissue compared to healthy controls, and they had a higher history of 
antiperspirant use. When they were questioned mm-hmm. as to their habits, they they reported back more antiperspirant, aluminum-containing antiperspirant use. What do you recommend to people who want to find an alternative deodorant or different formula for babies? Are there resources? The Weston A. Price Foundation has Mm. a recipe for a homemade baby formula, if someone is interested in homemade baby formula. And for antiperspirants, I look at products that are sold at places like Whole Foods or Mom's Organic Market or online. There's a number of more holistic sites that are selling safer products. And Mm -hmm. CMSRI has an aluminum-free products guide on our website. And we can also, if you download it, we have one on products that contain aluminum so you know what to avoid. Mm -hmm. So we have a number of resources on our website to help direct people to healthier products. And so I'm sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, I use aluminum foil all the time, right? So, or I used to actually. Mm -hmm. So how... What we learned about the aluminum foil is what? that It's when you put acid with it, right? It's fine if you want to wrap a sandwich or cover a bowl or that type of thing. But for cooking any kind of high-fat food like bacon or hamburgers or barbecue or anything with an acidic sauce like tomato sauce, it will absorb a lot of aluminum from the foil. So So it's cooking mm -hmm. with aluminum and something with an acid, like a lemon juice or like you said, like tomato sauce. And fat. And fat. And fat. Mm -hmm. And something happens and then that gets into our food and then we ingest it. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to get rid of the aluminum foil on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. It's just when you cook with it. Okay, good to know. (laughs) And another exposure to be concerned about is antacids. A lot of different types of antacids. Check your package insert. But aluminum in the antacid acts in two ways that are harmful. One, it changes the pH of your stomach lining, making toxins more absorbable through your stomach lining. But then there's the direct toxicity of the aluminum itself. Whoa. So that would be products like Tums? Some. You have to look at the package. Some are aluminum-free and some contain aluminum. And sometimes the aluminum is hidden in the dye. The dyes contain aluminum. And there could be enough in the dye to actually have an impact on, it's not just a tiny minor aspect of the ingredients. So all these brightly colored sports drinks and candies and things with F, D, and C dyes, or sometimes it'll say aluminum lake number XXX, and those have aluminum in them. Wow. That's really good good information. Yes. Wow. What other alternatives are there for parents who want to keep their children healthy? Well, one of the studies that we had funded in 2017 was a comparative health outcome study of vaccinated versus unvaccinated children. And there were actually three cohorts, a completely unvaccinated cohort, a partially vaccinated, and a fully vaccinated cohort. We studied over 600 children who were being homeschooled in four different states. And they found significantly higher odds of developing a chronic illness if you were vaccinated, slightly less higher odds if you were partially vaccinated, and much lower odds if you were completely unvaccinated. And the reason why homeschooled children were chosen to study is that a lot of parents who want to avoid vaccines ended up homeschooling their children. So we were able to find a large enough statistically significant sample size that we could compare them. Now, on the flip side, 
the unvaccinated children were more likely to get whooping cough and chickenpox, but they were less likely to get pneumonia. So on one hand, the vaccines were showing some efficacy in those two. And on the other hand, it was looking as if the vaccine was causing more pneumonia in the vaccinated children than in the unvaccinated children. So I think it's really up to the parents to become educated and your best help in having a healthy child is to become an informed consumer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's across the board, medicines, the foods you eat, the products that you use around your house, your pesticides, your household products is becoming an informed consumer is the best way to keep your child healthy. I think you just touched on something that's really important. And as you said, when you look at something and it's brightly colored, maybe ask the question, why is it brightly colored? Or if you're smelling some toxic thing in your house, it probably is toxic. Mm -hmm. If you're describing it as, wow, that's a really strong smell, it probably is toxic. Mm -hmm. And I think like you're saying, become informed, pay attention and ask questions. Yes. It's really important. If we think about I mean, I'm 55, and when I was a child, you look really was, good. Thank you. <laughs> but when I was a child, there was very little chronic illness. No one had asthma, allergies, ADD, ADD. any of these conditions. Right. And then we have to ask ourselves, why are our children so sick? Why? Why does one in every two children have some kind of chronic health condition? Well, you know, just the idea of even peanuts, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when we were younger, it was Nobody never had you didn't talk allergy. about peanut allergies or nut right. allergies or you know, peanut zone free. And now mm-hmm. it's a real problem and a real something we have to deal with. It's true. It's okay to question. And I mm-hmm. think that we have been taught to just trust and not question, but I think we have to question these things. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. Because if we don't, you really are your own personal advocate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you become more informed, as you did for those first five years after your mm-hmm. children had the vaccines, you mm-hmm. become more informed and then anybody can become an activist for their health. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Well, Claire, it's been a delight having you with us. And we just look forward to all the great research that's going to come out of CMSRI. And you're an amazing spokesperson for them. And um, it's a great organization you founded. So thank you for sharing with us today. Thank Thank you you so much, Dora and Tricia. And if anyone wants to check out our website, it's www.cmsri.org. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Health Kick. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Tricia. And I'm Doro. Be well.